welcome to B-Plot Podcast, the podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies of yesteryear and we ignore it and we look at the joints dropped on the exact same day. My name's Lincoln, I'm a comic out here in London, or I used to be in my the glory days of three months ago and I'm here with my man Sam, who's also a comic, uh, but we just both just dig movies, right? Yeah, Sam, tell the people. Yeah, 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 great. Love movies, especially right now. Man, we watched some, um, actually we watched really good movies and um, we're a couple of episodes in so we can say this with authority. I think these are the best two movies uh, that we've ever watched on the podcast. Yeah, I uh, I don't think I agree. Oh my God, this guy's a goddamn savage. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, we should tell you the two movies that we watched. The two movies that we watched this week, uh, we watched Lethal Weapon, the classic. I'm getting too old for this shit. And that was yeah. already 40 years ago. <laughs> and um, Angel Heart. It's a really interesting joint. Alan Parker movie mm. starring uh, Mickey Rourke and um, Robert De Niro and also Lisa Bonet, mm. which uh, absolutely fantastic. But the first movie we watched is Lethal Weapon. Sam, what's your relationship to this joint? Do you like these movies? Tell me, tell us about Lethal Weapon, all things. I think, like, obviously, like, I'm sure like most dudes our age i sort of was sat down and watched them like watched them all when i was a kid you know i watched I mean? it with my father and my father <laughs> watched it with his father like this is the thing is i it's not as i my mum made me watch these movies when i was a kid she used to fucking love lethal weapon yeah i don't yeah uh, my i don't think my dad's ever even mentioned it because for me for me it's a classic dad movie yeah oh it should be but my like the uh, my mum got me when I was quite young got me on Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, and, and Pulp Fiction. Where like I'm definitely too young to be watching them, but we have to talk about them as a family. I don't know. It was, and I loved it when I was a kid. Watching it now, I don't think it's aged well. You don't think it's aged well? Mm-mm. You goddamn savage! I watched this movie. This is a classic dad movie, and I, like, if there's another podcast, if we ever do a, a B plot of B plot, or we do a spin off, um, it will be a movie uh, podcast about uh, movies that dads like, uh, which is every war movie that's mm-hmm. ever been made, most of Mel Gibson's uh, filmography, and yeah. Um, yeah, that's just about it. Any, that's just and about any, it. anything with Kate Beckinsale in it. Uh, which dad movies who which dad do you know fucking heavy my uh, dad okay. doesn't even know who kate beckinsale is do you do you do you uh do you remember uh van helsing i do i have three friends all of us sit like single or like you know s- s- uh, divorced families whose all of our dads took us to go see van helsing when it came out a film that i don't think any of us wanted to see that much they just wanted to see kate beckinsale in more skin tight lycra it's a little bit creepy. Um, yeah, is it, creepy. The, you know what's weird is that it's kind of like the inverse of your mum wanted to see Lethal Weapon. <laughs> wanted to see Mel Gibson's tight buns. Yeah. Um, when he does show them, like, it's beautiful. They look uh, fantastic. It's um, disgusting. Those are the most yeah. anti-Semitic buns I've ever seen. Look at those beautiful shapely buns. What if that was the key to um, having a beautiful backside, Sam? What would you do if the key, if the key to having a beautiful booty is just uh, anti-Semitism? <laughs> you have to, <laughs> you just have to hold just, that worldview. 
I just skate by on my personality. That's what I do. Yeah. Fuck, fuck the yeah. buns. Fuck the buns. Sam Golan, uh, 2020. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 1990 to 2020. 1990 to 20. Fuck the buns. But look, it got me thinking about like buddy cop movies in mm. the 80s. And I, obviously, there's actually like a very little, like a, a retread of uh, 48 Hours. The um, Nick Nolte, Eddie right? Murphy, Nick Nolte. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, of that joint and they've basically transposed it two three years later not even really and um how if you were like a movie fan in the 80s i feel like buddy cop movies are like what marvel movies are to me now whereas like i can i cannot stand another superhero movie and in Mm -hmm. the 80s and early 90s they tried every single iteration of buddy cop movie Usually yeah. uptight white cop with kind of free flowing loose black cop, but this lethal weapon inverse. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Die Hard inverse. Die Hard inverse, yeah. Um, so, do you want to take us through just the brief plot summary of of Lethal Weapon? I'm not going to do that, and I'll tell you why. It's because <laughs> it's very simple. There's a big conspiracy. Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, they solve it. Mel Gibson is the kind of maverick cop who's just kind of like he wants to he wants to die, man. And he's just like, it doesn't play by the rules. And Danny Glover is the cop who's two years from retirement. And by the way, there's three, four more, three more Lethal Weapon movies. He was two years from retirement in all of those fucking movies. Which is very, very uh, upsetting. And he basically, yeah, and they they get together and like Mel Gibson, like there's actually a really poignant scene in in Lethal Weapon where Mel Gibson's going to commit suicide. He's going to put the the gun in his mouth. And it was like, I know this is not going to happen because it's like 20 minutes in. But I thought this was actually very um, uh, harrowing. It's very moving. Like you actually connect with Mel Gibson as much as well. Well, at least I did. I, I know you don't fuck with, with your man Mel Gibson at all. So. Yeah, not now. Not now. Not now. Um, it was. I mean, none of us knew. Does that extend to things that happened before he was outed as a scumbag, or is this uh, is um, this all that? Because yeah. well, so I think the because uh, when was it? When I want to say it was like two thousand six. When he right, yeah, first, first out like public outburst. I don't know if you just saw in in the news uh, recently. There was that interview with Winona Ryder. Did you see that? Because it was like the day. The, so the because I, I was. This is a crazy coincidence, but like the day we decided to do these movies, uh, Winona Ryder came out and spoke about the time that Mel Gibson came up to her at a party and called her, asked her if she was an oven dodger. Right. Which I honestly, I was like so surprised. I was like, I had to Google it. I was like, can it can it mean anything else? And no, uh, no, it means exactly what it sounds like. I've never heard that. That is mm. uh, that is foul. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that. Prop, that is foul. Yeah. I, I think as well, because we did. Um, I mean, well, the Iron Man episode is out now, mm. but we it, there was <laughs> there was that moment where Robert Downey Jr. came out and said, how long could we wait to forgive Mel Gibson? For all the, the awful things he's done, he like brought Mel Gibson out on stage, and Mel Gibson's like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and everyone was like, mm-mm, "No, mm-mm, not really." Yeah, not yet. Um, but sorry, yeah, we were talking about Lethal Weapon, and at this point, uh, uh, Mel Gibson is just an Australian person that has risen above his station. Uh, we don't know anything else about this, but like, yeah, that's the kind of dynamic that they have. Danny Glover is the kind of straight-laced family man. He's got beautiful, beautiful family. Just I love mm-hmm. that all the like domestic scenes with him and his family. I thought were lovely, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, Mel Gibson lives in a in a trailer. But for me, I I spent maybe 
Dude, I, I, I swear to God, I spent like 70% of the runtime of this movie deciding on whether or not I've actually seen it before. What? Yeah, because I, I was like, I'd go I'd go for a bit and be like, oh, I've seen that. Mm. And then there'd be like long sections was like, oh, I've never seen this movie. And then something else will happen is be like, oh, yeah, I've seen this though. And then something else will happen is be like, oh, no, this is completely fresh to me. And like, because yeah. it just felt so familiar, like the texture of the thing. I was like, mm. it was very confusing. Um, but also, I don't know about you, but like this Lethal Weapon is good. Um, but for me, like the, the watermark is Lethal Weapon 2. And, okay, which is to the diplomatic community one. Exactly. Two, yeah, is, the, yeah. two is the South African um, scumbags. Mm. And that to me was just like, I remember, it was also the first time like the f- I've actually seen like a, a depiction of South Africa in a major motion picture. <laughs> yeah, And yeah, it was yeah. great that they had like apartheid era police as the, as the villains. Like that's yeah. a great, great move. And yeah, um, I think that's the first time uh, Joe Pesci shows up, if I'm not mistaken, as yeah, well. It's in, yeah, it's in yeah. Lethal Weapon 2. And he's just off the wall. It's just hilarious. Mm. And um, so as a result, I uh, I really I really dig it. But you watched it this week. What did you think? Because we, I mean, we've watched we've watched some some older movies. You know, we've we've been back to some cornballs, and, mm-hmm. and it was just too corny. It was just too corny. Didn't believe it. Danny Glover and the family were absolutely spot on with that. The family scenes are like the best part of the whole movie for me uh, but, but like what do you mean it's too corny though like what's too corny about this the, just the villains man it was like it's gary Busey uh burning his arm with a lighter to prove loyalty to this as a mercenary gary Busey it, wearing a cardigan as a yeah, mercenary. i don't know it was so like insane. okay and it really it came up to that fight scene at the end right so it's um the, the you know they've they've killed the the, the big boss and gary Busey is on the warpath and he's driving to uh, Danny Glover's house to kill his family. And Danny Glover and Mel Gibson are like hot on the tail. And then they just have, even though there are like a hundred police watching this, Danny Glover's like, no, 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 no. This is his fight. This is his arrest. Let him do it. So they just let Gibson and Boosie go at Dude, it, right? That whole, that whole scene, I was like, the next scene should be literally the uh, hands up, can't breathe uh, justice, justice for Gary Busey no. moment. There's all no. sorts of police <laughs> brutality. They, this guy's clearly he's a criminal. He's wearing a cardigan. He's Gary Busey. I think you should be fair to fight Gary Busey on sight if you see him because he's probably <laughs> yeah. done something fucked up in the last ten minutes. But they fight him on Danny Glover's lawn. Uh, Debo yeah. in Friday style. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Debo and Craig yeah. Friday style. They fight him on the lawn. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, Mel Gibson puts him in a very illegal chokehold, like a, yeah. a proper like triangle lock. And I was like, this is this is uncomfortable um, at the least. So this is what I was talking about. This is what I was talking about earlier, right? Because I don't know. I mean, it's been uh, I don't know when the last time you were in a fight was. It's been so long for me. It's ridiculous. 17, I thought, um, uh, during second break. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it was I think it was. Yeah, maybe there was like a couple after school, but there was in school, and I was like, I don't know, I'm not like a big guy. I don't work out. I'm going straight for the dick every time. Every time I'm going, and I don't understand. I like, I get it in sport, in boxing. I'm like, there are rules. It's scored. It's all good. But if you're just having like a fucking fight to the death, why aren't they just repeatedly hitting each other in the dick for six minutes? Shout to my man Gary Busey because when I said, um, when I said that Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte were in 48 hours. I cannot, I do not know what Nick Nolte looks like in my mind. If you ask me, 
to describe Nick Nolte, I'm going to describe uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. The um, the Dennis Quaid to his Kevin Costner. But okay, so the it's kind of two things happening here. We have Lethal Weapon on the one side, which is like probably the most commercial movie I can think of. It's like it's got explosions, it's got Mel Gibson, it's got Danny Glover. Everyone's having a great time. Um, on the other side of the of the coin, um, Alan Parker, like low key genius. Like Alan Parker has has some great films in his in his filmography like midnight What's in the back catalog midnight express the commitments uh mississippi mm. burning uh the life yeah. of david gale um he's got some joints in there he makes this movie uh angel heart now shout out to your man uh you have a friend who actually recommended this to us give, oh, him, yeah. a, give him a so, shout out yeah so shout out to dan bartlett who uh listened to the first episode and heard me saying jews don't fuck with mel gibson um who found this movie Angel Heart that opened on exactly the same day and not only did it not do well it lost money at the box office funnily enough it has quite like a, a cult uh, following actually like mm. it's, it's and I think this might be the best movie that we've watched second this, this might be the best B-plot movie yet maybe maybe we have uh, no? what else have we what else have we had what else have we had through here I'm not gonna go through all of the episodes yeah fair enough fair enough you might be right though I think you are right because this movie I thought was actually was really good can you like and I know this is tough to do don't necessarily Maybe. run us through the plot but like give us the premise the premise is Mickey Rourke plays uh, Harold Angel a private investigator who is hired by a very mysterious Robert De Niro to find, um, what's the guy's what's the guy's name like Frank? Uh, Johnny Favorite. It's something. Yeah, I think it is. It's Johnny Favorite. So this basically Robert De Niro's character has had uh, Johnny Favorite break a contract, uh, break a contract with him, and there's a death clause in the contract. So De Niro just wants to find out whether Johnny Favorite is alive or dead, and he hires Mickey Rourke to do it. So, and that's it. It's, it's yeah, that's that, the whole premise. That's the whole thing, right? And so far, it's like a that's a really, um, like a kind of boilerplate noir template, mm. right? Like, is this guy alive? Is he dead? Mickey Rock is a is a is a, a private eye, and he's like, man, my man is so slovenly, like he's none of his suits fit. Yeah, um, yeah. he's wearing those way too big Steve Harvey suits, and mm. it's just muggy, and he's he's not doing well. And um, but man, I watched I watched this movie with uh, with my roommates with my partner, and I was like, they were like, oh, this guy looks familiar. I was like, that's Mickey Rourke, and man, <laughs> I could feel like the sadness just well up yeah. in the room. Like everyone, like everyone just went, oh man, because yeah. Mickey Rourke, nineteen eighty seven. This is like post a little bit after Diner. My man is fucking beautiful. A beautiful, beautiful man. And right now, if you've seen him, oh my God, this guy does not look good, dude. Garbage juice, mm. garbage juice. So it starts and it just goes. And I love it when a film does it. And this film does two things that I love. The starting with the film, there is maybe two minutes where he's on the phone, where you find out exactly the, pre the premise. So goes, good. Call me in. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, and it ends exactly where it should end. It ends at the perfect point. I was like trying hard to get a read on it because I was like, I don't know. I, I figure out as soon as we see De Niro, I'm sure you did as well. We're like, oh, he's the devil. He I is... didn't know he was the devil though. I knew really? he was, I didn't know, but like I watched it with people and they were like, 
or I actually watched it with my partner and she just gave the number. She was like, nah, this guy's the devil. I was like, yeah. that's a good shot. It's good. The betting is on. I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a fair one. And she turned out to be correct. Um, there's a couple of things I really enjoyed about it. I really enjoyed this kind of like, I like the religious imagery. I like the whole like religious fervor. And like throughout the film, there's like moments where they like really, they do really well because there's a scene in it. Mickey Rourke's journey takes him all the way down to uh, Louisiana um, to kind of trace up this quote unquote voodoo uh, voodoo woman who is um, attached to Johnny Favorite somehow. There's a scene where the, this group of black people, I was like sitting there and like, even as a person of color, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is problematic. I don't think it is, but there's like, a, they, they catch like the Holy Ghost and they like, they start like, mm-hmm. they start almost crumping and, and like, she's like slits a chicken's throat, humps the ground and like an, another black woman there. And I was like, this feels a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. The very, like one of the very next scenes is a group of like white people um, being baptized in the river. And they also mm. like catch the religious fervor. And I was like, oh man, that's a really interesting Thing, yeah, like, yeah. To, to, like contrast like the black voodoo mysticism with like um the more kind of uh charismatic aspects of christianity and i know exactly what you mean that thing where it was like the oh the down south african voodoo i was like this okay this is this is weird for, for even for 1987 i'm going this mm. is like 1930s king kong shit right yeah uh but then as but then as soon as they cut to the white people and the white people look so much worse <laughs> like it's not do you know what i mean it goes real quick from like these and, and it, i mean it's it's lisa bonet do you know what i mean so it's, yeah it's, by it's the way if, let's talk yeah. about, before you go let's talk about people making deals with the devil lisa bonet <laughs> looks exactly the same yeah in 1987 as she does now Dude, yeah. she, we want to talk about anyone fucking sell their soul to the devil. That's Lisa Bonet, my dude. I don't know how she looks that great. And Mickey Rourke looks so trash. But uh, yeah, so Mickey Rourke is down in, in, in New Orleans. And um, one of the kind of funny runners in the movie, like the kind of rare moments of actual humor to me is um, I really enjoy the runner of Mickey Rourke being assaulted by random people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's really amusing to me. Like, there's two like big black uh, guys, like thugs, attacking him, uh, racing him through Harlem, and yeah. um, <laughs> then later on, he's attacked again by these same guys. And, yeah. Uh, then he's attacked by some Bayou folk. Um, let's in- let's explain the difference though. The 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 guys in Harlem, because he's he's snuck into the church. Mm. So he's he's snuck into the the church while they're having their parade and oh man that was i don't know if you felt that but there's he's he's keeps seeing this figure praying or cleaning blood yes right um and it's you know we don't know it but it's a hallucination at this point um and as he goes to put his hand on this sort of ghostly figure these two guys appear smack him and they they okay so they haven't got pews they've just got the chairs and I don't know if, if if you were counting. I was like, these guys are hitting. It's like one guy hitting like sixty chairs every time he falls down. <laughs> like, like they slap Mickey Rook, and Mickey Rook just wipes out like easily twenty <laughs> chairs, and then comes back, smacks smacks one guy, and pushes the other. And I'm like, this is this is just so many chairs. Anyway, uh, so they're chasing him because he's trespassing, and then the Bayou folk are like the hillbilly guys hit him with the. I want to say it's a pit bull, but it might be a Rockweiler. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not up on this, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold it against you. Kind of throughout his uh, his travels, it takes him to see a bunch of different people. 
uh, obviously there's a group of uh, suspects or people connected to the case that Mickey Rourke has to um, that Mickey Rourke has to interview and uh, one of them is a lady who reads uh, tea leaves or a fortune teller of, of yeah. some sort the next one is uh, a guitarist who was in a band with uh, Johnny Favorite a guy called Toots is that his name something like that yeah he's uh, a um, I think he's an old jazz musician I um Toot Sweet is the guy's name. Oh, blues guitarist. Sorry. And yeah. my man, like, literally just, like, said all of his lines in, like, three seconds. They're like... He he, he performed his lines like um, the, the nervous kid in class who had to do... <laughs> Yeah, to do a presentation. He was he just was like, oh, I mean, you mean you know that you guys write with everybody, buddy. Yeah, it's like an ocean. Yeah, he died a very unnecessary and violent death because uh, eventually someone uh, choked him to mm. death with his own dick. And look, this podcast, we love dicks. We love we love dicks. We love dicks, don't we? Don't we, Sam? We love it. We love them. <laughs> we love them when we see them. That's when we love them. <laughs> Turn into Donald Trump there for a second. We love we love dicks, don't we, folks? <laughs> yeah. Don't we? Um, yeah, but that is too far. Please scale it back. Scale it back. Mm. It's too much. We don't want to. We don't want to see things of this nature. Okay, so let's just explain the twist because mm. uh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. I also, oh my god, it's because it's the fortune teller's father who explains it. He's the yes. guy who gives us everything. He's the last guy to interrogate. And the thing that I kind of loved about his explanation of it is he he clearly knew it but he didn't they didn't write the details because the way i think i've written it down here is the way he says is like he's he's going on this flow state of explaining how johnny favorite sold his soul to the devil and he's like there were complicated incantations and like a bunch of latin stuff <laughs> and it's like you were there man you know, do you know what i mean like you know the incantations you saw it um but he basically explains that what uh, Johnny Favorite had to do to he sold his soul to the devil for fame and fortune as this jazz singer or crooner as they call it. So he sold his soul to the devil for fame and fortune, and then he realized he needed to find somebody who he could kill and basically take their soul out of their body and then inhabit their body. So he finds this soldier who's come back with PTSD, uh, kills him, takes his heart out, eats his heart raw, and that gives him the body of harold angel uh the new identity he assumes and because he has this selective amnesia uh and i guess some of harold's memories because he remembers going to war um he has dodged his deal with the devil because because he's not alive he's not dead he's somewhere in between yeah and so this is when we realized that Robert De Niro is is the devil but it's funny to me that the devil would like go through all of this trouble to collect yeah. a soul when he presumably has uh, infinite so powers. And just, I was like, this is a lot of effort. Mm. Um, also, the devil got a beautiful, beautiful head of hair. Um, yeah. oh, man, so just beautiful. Good. Did you see that? Just luscious, long in the back. My man looked like uh, like one of the three musketeers. Um, mm. Gorgeous. Should we, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, should we move on to categories? Let's get into them. Uh, let's get into the categories <laughs> categories um yeah so on this uh, on the pod like we like to have a little we have sit uh, categories that we have here where we just discuss all of the various things and we uh, contrast and compare these two joints 
And um, the first one that we usually do is the weirdly woke moment. The weirdly woke moment. The moment that um, was um, actually, you know, for a movie that came out in, in this instance, 1987, we were like, hmm, fair play, mm. very progressive, you know. Hmm, hmm, you should get a blog. You should, run. Yeah. Um, you should uh, write for The Guardian. Um, <laughs> so, weirdly woke moment in um, between Angel Heart and uh, Lethal Weapon for you. All right. I'm, okay, it was hard to find one with Angel Heart, right? Mm-hmm. And it, I was the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, what is this going to be? And then it happened right at the end is uh, Lisa Bonet's armpit hair. Yes. I was like, respect. She's, she's got like a f- full armpit bush. And I full love armpit bush, my dude. Um, she's a Bayou woman, of course. Why would she shave her armpits yeah shout out to lisa benet um mm. for that's a very very woke moment um it's it's funny that we said like nothing from uh lethal weapon lethal weapon has uh no woke I, moments whatsoever i okay right i actually have i actually had one um which was there uh we see three f- female officers quite early in the movie one of whom is the psychiatrist yeah who is absolutely correct and no one listens to her absolutely correct she the it's like scene two or three of the movie and they're transferring mel gibson to be partners with danny glover because no one wants to work with him because he's suicidal and she's like this dude is fucking crazy he should not be on the force he's violent he's going to hurt somebody don't put him in the field and the and then the male guy is like ah it's just how we are <laughs> and goes i'm like no she's 100% right 100% correct and i feel like it's even a little bit of a a comment in the movie that um he goes into the men's room the scene ends with him going into the men's room and the door closing in her face and i'm like man this is some woke shit mm. this is some woke shit but in general though like the the depiction of like um uh masculinity and kind of um like the old like mental health issues in lethal weapon is it's, it's quite interesting like um you know like him being suicidal and him like dealing with his grief and like showing him struggling with it albeit in a very violent way there's some woke shit there if you want to look hard enough i think there's more cancel though you think it's more cancel? All right, that's oh, the next yeah. one. That's the next. Uh, that's the next uh, category that we have. It's the instant cancellation. So this is yeah. the moment that if this joint came out in 2020 when we we're recording this, this would be cancelled on site. So, Angel Heart, um, Lethal Weapon, instant cancellation. Lethal Weapon. I mean, Mel Gibson's popping slurs left and right, man. It's like there's a bit. I'm not going to say it, but he accuses. Like uh, him and Danny Glover are approaching uh, a house to interrogate a suspect. The house blows up. Mel Gibson catches on fire. Danny Glover puts him out. And uh, Mel Gibson just immediately and angrily accuses him of being gay. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's like this. No, that's a cancel. He uh, racially abuses the poor Chinese man who's just trying to torture him with some electricity. Yeah, Uh, that happens. And uh, there's a there's another moment just after that scene where he. Although, wait, some... although hang on though, hang on before you before you go <laughs> any further. Like, I'm gonna say, if someone is torturing you, electrocuting you, yeah, 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 yeah. You <laughs> is there room for one or two racial slurs to fly out? Is there room? I'm just I'm not. It's never happened to me. I'm not gonna torture anyone. 
hopefully I'll never get tortured. But I mm. cannot imagine um, this guy electrocuting Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson <laughs> yeah. calls him whatever, insert racial slur here, and the guy goes, whoa, whoa, dude. That's not, <laughs> that's <laughs> not cool. Yeah, that's yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. I think, I mean, I th- uh, yeah, I mean, for sure he has the upper hand, but I also just think, you know, 1987, you're like, why, why is that where your heart's going? Look, let's leave it here. It's not for us to say. It's not, right. for, it's not wanna, for us I, to say. Look, I want to give another shout out to to Dan Bartlett because I had this little chat with him <laughs> where it was like, I think, I think, and this is this is Dan's words, not mine, that a lot of those slurs were, weren't in the script. Yeah. Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson ad-libbed them and then said, if these don't make the final edit, I walk and you're in breach of contract. And they were like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, Mel Gibson would probably do that. Um, he probably. My my initial guess is that Mel Gibson's like, can I? Can we like? Can I be tortured by like a Jewish torturer? Because I have a, <laughs> yeah. few, I have a few in the clip that I've, been, <laughs> yeah. that I've been meaning to fire off, but they were like, nah, Mel, let's just let's let's just do what it says in the script, okay? All right, next, uh, the next topic. I always forget it. Freaky Friday. <clears throat> oh yeah shit. excuse me freaky friday moment the moment that in these two movies if you had to swap characters between them what would the swap be i'll go first for me yeah. i want um i want robert de niro as in the uh gary Busey role um mm. and i want gary Busey in the in the bayou and i want him as one of the uh, uh bayou people <laughs> one of the one of the hillbillies one chasing the, down Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I want him um, skinning. I don't even know how you do this. I want him dealing with the crawfish. And I want yeah. Gary Busey being unintelligible. <laughs> um, and then if I'm going to move someone else back, is I would find a way to get Robert De Niro into Lethal Weapon. I know this is not strictly according to the rules, but I yeah, feel like yeah, yeah. Robert De Niro as like a, a as the devil. It's a hell yeah. of a villain. You can't really win that. Mm. I I'm going I'm going to do a straight easy swap of protagonists because I want uh I want Mickey Rourke as Danny Glover's partner in Lethal Weapon uh and I want I just want two kind of old guys who are over it being like do we have to do we really we have to you know because Mel Gibson's character is the driving force of Lethal Weapon he keeps putting them into situations and they need to be in those situations I just want I just want Mickey Rourke to be looking at Daniel Glover like, <sighs> and th- I feel like those are two guys who would punch people in the dick and shoot in the leg. I just feel like that's that's the buddy cop movie I want to watch. I tell you what though, I reckon you're, you're onto something here in general because I think um, Mickey Rourke and um, uh, Mel Gibson are like of a generation. I don't think they're far apart in age. Yeah, and uh, Mickey Rock is a much like more serious actor than than he has, uh, he's got a lot of, like narrower range, but he's like he's very serious. Yeah. So I think if you make him, I think um, Mickey Rock in Lethal Weapon would just bum everyone out. Like the movie wouldn't be able to <laughs> wouldn't be able to go anywhere. Like it was just like it'd be it'd be like a harrowing traumatic drama. And there's a, there's another category that we have. Um, oh wait, let me let me finish the swap though. Let me oh, finish the swap. I'm sorry. I'm I- sorry. Because I want Mel Gibson in Mickey Rourke's role in Angel Heart. Yeah. Because I, w- I want the final reveal to be the devil being like, I don't think I want him. I don't think I want him. Just lock him up. Yeah, it's good. Just go to jail, my dude. I'll, I'll wait. 
Mm. I'll spend. Also, dude, how labor intensive is the harvesting of souls? He can't yeah, be doing yeah. this for everyone. That's a oh, lot yeah. of admin, my dude. Mm. He has to get his hair blown out and stuff. He has to go get a, <laughs> get, a, get a weave put in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get manicured in like a, in a nail salon, like pick through like the acrylics and stuff. Like, oh my God, so much effort. He has to uh, hire lawyers every time. He has, has to hire to, like, lawyers to, trick it, to be, read through the hell contract and be like, oh, Did, my God. oh, he found a loophole again every time. Just like him flicking through a bunch of like PDF CVs, just be like, ah, oh, not this lawyer, not this lawyer, not this lawyer. Yeah. All right, let me just loop you back into this email and I'll attach the contract. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this be so much admin. Um, but yeah, sorry. So the, the one more category that we have that I that I enjoy, it's a very recent category that we have, mm. is that like if we turn the 10 degrees to the left, uh, genre blender. In either one of these movies, if you turn it 10 degrees to the left, what kind of movie could you make mm. um, that is different to the movie that it is? Just, uh, do you have anything for us off the top of the dome? Uh, Lethal Weapon, 10 degrees to the left, it becomes, we need to talk about Kevin. It becomes like a suspense, sort of like ho psychological horror of uh, Mel Gibson dragging this innocent man into acts of police brutality and... Uh, it just become it becomes a real psychopath story. I also think for Lethal Weapon, it can also be if you remove Danny Glover and you remove Mel Gibson, and you mm. make uh, Danny Glover's wife the protagonist. It becomes a really um, quite uh, uh, beautiful um, domestic drama. Yeah. Uh, so the movie starts um, starts uh, halfway through the middle. Danny Glover's daughter gets kidnapped. And then that's the first 10 minutes. And then the yeah. rest of the movie is just the fallout domestically and the trauma. And like Danny Glover's wife resents him. It's like, how could you let this happen to us? It's like, I did what I had to do for this family. And then like, how could you let Mel Gibson murder, the, murder that man on our front yeah. lawn? And then there's like another hour that they go through like grief counseling. And like, mm. there's all these shots of um, them next to water. And it's like, uh, a serious 1980s style grown-up people drama yeah and that's how it that, that's what i want to see that's like the 10 degrees to the left is like if this comes like revolution is a revolution road that um uh, yeah the, the, uh, the, the dicaprio the, the, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 revolutionary road it becomes that one yeah um so yeah that's my that's my call for a genre blender my dude i think we've come to the end of another episode um yeah. yeah and again episodes getting longer and longer um they're gonna bleed in they're gonna bleed into two recordings at this rate um but yeah um if you enjoyed uh this episode dude like and subscribe go on apple Podcasts, leave us a review again you know if you mm. fuck with it and only if you fuck with it um leave us a nice review tell a mate that actually that's even better just tell a friend and be like look it's better than you think that's that's yeah. the slogan we'll actually get it put on t-shirts it's better than you think um <laughs> if you enjoy it uh sam is there anything else you want to talk about uh no that's it that's it for all good man all good all good yeah i think it was fun man this is interesting because it's the first time i've actually enjoyed both movies even though you you know you're, you absolutely hate your man yeah. gibson i don't know why but uh yeah well i mean yeah yeah i uh mm. i think i enjoyed both movies last week maybe more but only because i yeah i fuck mel gibson man that's the take that if you don't take nothing else away 
fuck Mel Gibson. Don't watch Lethal Weapon. Watch Angel Heart instead. All right, fuck Mel Gibson. That's uh, that's how we end it today. Yeah, like and subscribe, man. Um, and uh, we'll catch you guys uh, next week.